it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and open-minded people, wherever wherever you live across the United States of America, Europe, and the world, this is David Duke, and this is the David Duke Program on the Rents Radio Network. I want to welcome all the listeners to the Don Black Show. We had a great uh, program uh, just a few minutes ago on the Don Black Show, and we discussed all the issues that are so critical uh, really to our survival. And we also had a deep discussion about what happened in Charlottesville and a deep discussion about what's happening to the basic American rights that distinguish the United States. And, and certainly what the claim to fame of the United States of America is to ourselves, to our leaders, in our historical sense and in a current sense, is our quote, unquote, Freedom. And the idea that this is a country that you have freedom of speech, you have freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. But there's a problem to this freedom. According to the people who are now ruling our country, the mass media, which is run by another tribe than the tribe that built America, the Christian European tribe that wrote our Constitution our Declaration of Independence, and they don't believe in freedom of speech. There is an article, by the way, and there are still some voices because a lot of Americans, because that's part and parcel of the what we call the catechism of America, the, the values of America. There are still some people that are clinging on to the idea that we should have freedom of speech or even voicing alarm. And you even see some of this in the controlled media opposition. Uh, at the same point, you have one article that defends free speech. You'll have many other articles that say, you know, no free speech for fascists. We'll, we'll see the Congress of the United States and the President of the United States, and that includes Donald Trump, saying there's no room in America for, quote, fascists or racists or Nazis or white nationalists. No room in America. I thought America was supposed to be a country where there is room for every opinion for freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. What, what happened to that old slogan years ago that was so popular in America? You know, I, I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death to defend your right to say it. That's all gone by the wayside. There is a very unique article in the Washington Post, and this is right now. This is really current. This is September 18th. And last night it was published. And this is the title. A chilling study shows how hostile 
college students are toward freedom of speech. In fact, how hostile so many Americans are to freedom of speech because the media, because the way that media have, has couched freedom of speech, really, and the idea that hate speech or what's called hate speech, which, again, hate is nothing more than an epithet. It's, it's like saying bad speech or you know controversial speech. Hate speech is simply a word an epithet used to describe anybody who disagrees with the current establishment view on policies. If you're a European-American and you object to massive racial discrimination against your own people or any people in America, if, it, if that includes your own people and you're saying this affirmative action programs that discriminate against better qualified white students, better qualified white people who apply for jobs, better qualified white people who are denied promotions in favor of less qualified minorities. Anybody that opposes those racist positions, those anti-white racist positions, is essentially identified in the media as a hater. I'm called a, a, a promoter of hate speech. What have I promoted? Equal rights for everybody even for white people. Oh, that's unbelievable. If you defend Jews, if you defend Mexican-Americans, their heritage, their interests, their values, if you defend black Americans, you're lauded, you're praised, you're honored. If you defend white people and our heritage, the heritage, by the way, which just so happened to build the United States of America and create the United States of America, then you're a promoter of hate speech. If you point out that the immigration laws of this country favor non-Europeans that discriminate effectively against immigration from European peoples to our country and in favor of non-European peoples into this country to purposefully ethnically cleanse Europeans from our own nation to specifically outnumber us. They can't win the debate, so they have to outnumber us and therefore take away our right to live in a country of our values and our principles simply by having massive immigration of people that have different principles and the people that put the interest of their people, of our people, then you're supposedly a hate speaker. Now, I want you to listen to these shocking points that are made in this in this article. It was written by a woman named Catherine Rampell. It was an opinion writer. Sometimes they have opinion speech that doesn't go along with the mainstream Washington Post because mainstream Washington Post and the ADL that they honor promotes absolute destruction of free speech in America that anybody has the temerity to defend European Americans. Anybody that fights against the massive discrimination going on against our people, the massive immigration. It's going to ethnically cleanse us in our own country and change every value that we hold dear. Well, here's what this article says. A chilling, stu a chilling study shows how hostile college students are toward free speech. That's the title. She writes, here's the problem with suggesting that upsetting speech warrants safe spaces, in quotes, or otherwise conflating mere words with physical assault. If speech is violence, then violence becomes a justifiable response to speech. And this is and what she says is exactly what they're doing, of course. So if someone gets up and defends white people's rights and heritage, simply wants to preserve 
the traditions and the values of this country, simply wants to honor our founding fathers and our Southern founding fathers, who are also American patriots in the Revolutionary War, their families were, then that's called violence. You see, it's called violence, even, they, even though they may specifically, like I have done for years, condemn any sort of violence, illegality, any sort of harm to anyone, any sort of terrorism. If speech is violence, and she says it very well, if speech is violence, then violence becomes a justifiable response to speech. Now, that's even if, she didn't use these words, but I will, that's even if the speaker specifically condemns violence and simply is talking about ideas or facts. If you talk about racial differences, inherent racial differences, that can be called hate speech. Even if you talk about the medical differences between blacks and whites, how their blacks react, and there are protocols for medicine in hospitals that give uh, guidelines that say blacks shouldn't get this particular drug or this particular therapy because it can kill them because of differences in Even if you do that, you can be called hate speech because the mantra, the mantra, I should say, of the media, of the establishment of Hollywood movies is that there's no difference between races at all other than skin color, which, of course, is on its face ridiculous, insane, totally unfactual, unscientific, and goes against every law of nature and every recorded element, the fact that shows that there are major differences between the races, not only in biology, but also in psychology and also in performance in certain areas of life. We, we know that the, the top 100-meter dash winners, you know, the Olympic champions of the 100-meter dash are overwhelmingly black, in fact, overwhelmingly Jamaican. <laughs> uh, but to, you know, to say that is not a crime, but if you talk about differences in other aspects, say in scientific achievement or political achievement or educational achievement, if you talk about the differences between the races or differences even in IQ that may exist on average between races, that is not only hate speech, it's in the effect of violence, which, of course, it's not. The truth is that we don't understand these differences of, for instance, criminality rates between races, even when you factor in environment, you factor in income, you factor in education, but you still see a absolute clarity of higher violence among certain minority groups, to even say that is considered hate speech and, and violence. Even though you must understand when, when if, if white communities, for instance, and white people are far less violent and far more law-abiding and nonviolent than black groups, and of course the truth is there's a vast difference in that. Now, if people can claim that it's not because of anything to do with genetics, that it's entirely a matter of environment. But let's just say this is the fact. And white students in a school among themselves would be far less to face criminality, violence against them, rape, assault, uh, murder, drug dealing, gangster gangsterism, that they, you know, the gangster rap and the violence and the anti-true women uh, rhetoric of gangster rap and the violence against gangster rap and the promotion of drugs against gangster rap, that this is really not something that's healthy. Uh, not only is it not healthy for black people, but it's not healthy 
for those white people in those schools. And if black people and white kids are in a school where blacks are being told from the time that they're in the womb, practically, and they're being told that whites are evil and racist and horrific and all the horrible things that white people did to black people, even if slavery was only 1% of the American population. But if that's what's being told, doesn't that produce hatred in young blacks, including blacks that have a greater propensity to violence and who commit five or six times more violent acts than whites do? Doesn't that result in more white kids who suffer vicious and violent behavior of those groups? And to say that you don't want the children of your own people to suffer that behavior, is that behavior, is that racist? You know, the Black Lives Matter people go around and say, quote, that blacks are being shot down. And who would they say are being shot down? Criminal element. These people that the police have shot have, you know, criminal rap sheets and violence and hatred and drug dealing and rape and every sort of assault of women and children, and everything else. They have these long rap sheets, right? And they're saying that these people are being shot down by by the white racist society we live in. Okay, so if that is permissible to say that and blame all white people for that, then why is it not permissible to talk about the hundreds of thousands? And I'm not exaggerating here, hundreds of thousands of white men, women and children who are victims of disproportionate black criminality violence, rape, and assault. I've gone over the rape statistics a lot. Now, we have a situation then where hate speech is completely in the eye of the beholder. It's kind of like saying that some woman uh, makes herbal remedies and, you know, uh, over over a campfire uh, that she's a witch. And And free speech, by the way, the idea that hate speech should be disallowed because it's called hate speech. Who makes it hate speech? Do do the speakers that get up, do they say, I want to give a hate speech? <laughs> of course not. You know, do they promote hatred? Many of these same speakers that say there say, look, we don't believe in violence or hatred toward anybody. We believe, but we do believe in the right of everybody to be free. We believe in the right of everybody to be able to discuss every point of view. We believe in the right of people to assemble. We believe in the right to have a diverse intellectual environment where different points of view can be discussed. So she points out a major poll, and this is a pretty shocking poll that was done. Um, she talks about a poll that was done, and I'll quote her. For example, when students were asked whether the First Amendment protects hate speech, four in ten said no. Now, again, the truth is that even this article is in some ways cucked out because she doesn't even challenge the, the word hate speech. Whether the, you know, the question shouldn't be whether the First Amendment protects hate speech. The question should be whether the First Amendment would protect people who argue that there are racial differences, that European Americans should not face discrimination, uh, that the American majority of this country has a right to preserve their heritage and values in this country. Should that be prohibited by the First Amendment? 
I mean, to call it hate speech is ridiculous. She goes on to say, this is, of course, incorrect. Speech promoting hatred, or at least speech perceived as promoting hatred, finally, she said perceived. And it's perceived by whom? By the mass media? By the, the politicos who hate truly European Americans and call us racists and hate the founders of this country? She says, at least speech perceived as promoting hatred may be abhorrent, but it's nonetheless constitutionally protected. She also goes on to say that women are more likely than men to believe hate speech is not constitutionally protected. And there's a real solid biological and factual reason why women are more likely than men to believe hate speech is not constitutionally protected. Because women, as a group, are far more concerned about feelings, right, and, and relations between people than, than strict scientific fact the thomas jefferson said it this way he said that there's you know I, there's no truth that i fear but if you're concerned more about feelings and you can justify something by feelings you can say okay these people of this community they're really afraid of witches so this this woman's perceived to be a witch which we better burn them at the stake you know we we better uh tar and feather her and, and drum her out of town whether or not she's a witch is not important the point is that People are upset because this this woman is making these herbal <laughs> herbal uh, cures and so forth. So she goes into this poll, and it shows that all and this these are you know these are young people in universities. Among all, thirty nine percent, all right, believe that hate speech is not constitutionally protected. All right, how about that? No, excuse me. I got it. I got it reversed. <laughs> it's even worse. Of all people responding, only 39% said the First Amendment protects, quote, unquote, hate speech. And 44% said, no, the First Amendment doesn't protect hate speech. And 16%, they don't know. They don't know that the First Amendment supports all kinds of even unpopular speech without protecting unpopular speech. Or hated speech, because it's really the, the people who hate those who say the things that we say or hate the idea of freedom of speech. They don't even know if that's hate speech. They don't even know if it should be constitutionally protected or not. Among Democrats, 39 said the First Amendment protects, quote, hate speech. And 41% said no, the First Amendment doesn't protect that speech. Among Republicans, 44 said the First Amendment protects hate speech. 39% said no. 39% of Republicans, right? It shows you how the, how, the prosecute, how the country has been so corrupted by this media. Uh, among independents, which is a good sign, 40% said yes, the First Amendment protects hate speech. And 44% said no, it doesn't. Among females, it's 31% said yes, it's protected. 44% said no. And that's, again, because remember that the method the media uses to control the minds of the American people is through emotion. It's in associative conditioning, the same way that Edward Bernays, the Jewish nephew of Sigmund Freud, got women to smoke cigarettes Right, made a lot of money for the tobacco companies was by basically associating cigarettes with women's empowerment and well-being and freedom and all those kinds of things. That's all, all fact. Watch the uh, 
documentary the BBC called The Century of Self. Very vital documentary to watch. Among males, 51% again said, yes, the First Amendment protects free speech, but the fact that it's only half, we're in trouble, folks. And 39% said no. But males tend to be not as concerned about what people think about them. They don't tend to be as fashion conscious, whereas women are very, very concerned about approval. One reason why this is ingrained in women's psychology is because uh, they didn't have the physical power of men. They didn't have the positions of control in the patriarchal society. And they learned very quickly that the way that they survived and the way that they thrived was having people like them and being fashionable and being agreeable and being submissive to the powers that be. And the powers that be in this country, well, we know what they are. Um, they promote the destruction of the European-American people, which any other people would be considered a terrible racist act to try to destroy any ethnic group. If you were trying to – if there was anybody in America that promoted immigration that would make European-Americans be a higher percentage of the country, they would be considered the worst racist creeps in the world. And yet we have an admittedly immigration policy that is promoting the lessening of the European-American population of this country. Think about that for a second. Uh, remember now, even the Immigration Restrictionist Act of the 20s, which is condemned and said to be a racist act, it actually tried to preserve the, the then the current makeup of the country. It didn't try to make America whiter. It was actually meant to maintain the ratios of white, black, you know, Asian and so forth in the United States of America. So who are the racists? There you go. Now, the poll also shows Democrats are more likely to agree with shouting over controversial speakers. Another aspect, the public university invites a controversial speaker to an on-campus on -campus event. The speaker is known for making offensive and hurtful statements. Again, you've got to realize, folks, again, who says this? Because the media reports that. I mean, I don't think I'm making any hateful speeches here, but you listen to David Duke, what the media says about David Duke. Oh, he's hateful and he's hurtful and so forth. You know, really, because I'm talking about the realities of violence in America. I'm talking about the dispossession of white people in America. I'm talking about the civil rights of white Americans and I'm hateful. 51% agree with shouting over controversial speakers. It's against the principle of ever having a free discussion and getting at the truth of anything. And finally, one in five respondents say violence to disrupt the controversial speaker is acceptable. We're going to come back with Dr. Patrick Slattery. We're going to discuss this, and we're going to discuss the, va the battle, ongoing battle for the preservation of everything America is built on and the attack not only on the principles of America, but on, upon the people who built and established these principles of freedom and human rights that America was created on that bedrock for. Back in a minute.
If you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you'll know that Fukushima, the greatest calamity in history, has now, as I've been warning since 3-11, killed off virtually the whole North Pacific Ocean and especially up and down the entire West Coast. The radiation is migrating inland and is moving across the entire country. There's only one proven defender to radiation exposure, the brilliant Chernobyl-proven discovery of Dr. Michael Kiriak, which combines the four most potent and powerful algaes on the planet, imported to the U.S. and known as bio-superfood. I've taken bio-superfood every day for several years now and want you to do the same for your sake and the health and safety of your family and loved ones. Take the banner at the top of Rents.com and prepare to learn how to save your life. Famous Pastor Lindsey Williams. I'm 77 years of age. Uh, I feel better than I did when I was in my 50s and 60s. I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. It relates to a product that you handle right here. Folks, you positively must, after this show, you've got to click on Carnivora. They, they must have it in their medicine cabinet. Holistic MD, Dr. Robert Rowan. I summarized the work of Dr. Helmut Keller, what he found in carnivora and why it might be able to do so many wonderful things. A lot of patients got better. They literally do miracles for a wide variety of conditions, from infection to autoimmune conditions and beyond that. Visit C-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-A.com, carnivora.com, or call 1-866-VENUS-FLY. That's 1-866-VENUS-FLY, used by President Reagan successfully in 1985. I'd like to invite you to take a look at some of the most important products in the realm of health and hygiene I've ever seen, all from Trioxy. As many of you know, ozone oxygen is highly effective for many different uses in the home or office place, from purifying the air you breathe to the water you drink. In fact, the city of Los Angeles, among others, uses ozone to purify the drinking water for millions. Uses of ozonated water produced by the Trioxy Pure include washing your hands, disinfecting cuts and infections, brushing your teeth, and even washing and sanitizing fruits and vegetables in the kitchen. Meanwhile, the Trioxy Re-Ion ozone negative ion generator will clean your indoor air of pollen, smoke, odors, mold, bacteria, and viruses, and more, and will put extra oxygen into your bloodstream and clean your body just by you being there. I hope you'll drop by and visit GoHealthyNext.com and take a look. The prices are more than affordable, and the results are priceless. That's GoHealthyNext.com. Now, one of the uh, aspects, this is David Duke, by the way, and this is the David Duke Show and the Rinse Radio Network, so you know where you are if you're just on the dial. And by the way, we have an app. Uh, there is a Rinse Radio app you can download for Android or for your iPhones that can connect you up immediately to your iPhone to listen to the Rinse Radio Network live at any time you want. You can also get very easy, through the app, access to the archives and hear my show anytime 
uh, even a year after, two years, three years after the show has been made, you can listen to a topic that you desire. You can go to your website and uh, search for topics uh, on on the Rinse Radio uh, network, and you can listen to a show that is about a topic that you want to cover or you want to learn about. And we talk about a lot of deep issues here. Now, um, Dr. Slattery, the, the the last question is is again a very startling. Uh, question and there is a dichotomy here in the last question between men and women, where women come on more on the right side of a particular point. But I think I have an explanation for that. But here's the question, uh, and this is what she said. She said uh, the the question that was offered in the poll was a public university invites a very controversial speaker to an on-campus event. The speaker is is known for making offensive and hurtful uh, statements. And by the way, folks, you've got to remember this now. This is how the media works, right? Um, if indeed you do not allow freedom of speech, how do you know if the speaker at this speech is going to make hurtful, right, or offensive statements? And by whose term is a statement offensive or hurtful? How do you know? If you silence the person even before he opens his mouth. So the idea of disrupting a controversial speaker and so forth is the the idea is even using violence to do it is a, an idea that's worthy of a lynch mob. It's worthy of uh, a bunch of uh, <laughs> troglodytes who simply don't like somebody for whatever reason and then they feel like they've got a right to hurt them, harm them, to commit physical violence upon them. So she goes on to say the speaker is known for making offensive and hurtful uh, statements, again, by whose measure. And then it goes, a student group is opposed to the speaker and uses violence to prevent the speaker from speaking. Do you agree or disagree that the student group's actions are acceptable? The agreement for that was about 19 percent, almost 20 percent. The disagree was 80 percent. Democrats, 20% agreed, uh, 80% disagreed. Republicans, 22% agree, uh, 78% disagree. Actually, more Republicans agreed with that than Democrats. Independents, 16%. And I think that's because Republicans are so establishment-oriented. Conservatism has become uh, a, a doctrine of, like, preserving the power structure the way it is. The things that Republicans haven't understood now is the power structure is no longer traditional values <laughs> of, of this country, traditional va conservative values of the country, and whereas progressives are kind of viewed more like uh, you know outliers, even though progressives are the thrust of Hollywood. They're the thrust of the Democratic Party and really the Republican Party if you really get down to it. And then independents. I have 16% agree with the idea that violence can be used to shut down a speaker. Among females, this is interesting, among females, only 10% of females said that using violence to disrupt a controversial speaker is acceptable. And, and that's because the reason why females tend to be against violence is because they feel they've always been at the uh, the situation where the power you know obviously is is a male power and so 
violence. They may, you know, because they are not as physical, they may not be recipients of that. But 10% said that. 90% disagreed with the idea where violence is acceptable. Among men, 30% said it was acceptable and 70% disagreed. Now, the interesting thing, I, I think the reason for that, too, is is beyond uh, feminine values in terms of violence, but it's really about the fact that if you look at these Antifa groups and these demonstrations and these rallies uh, that are actually violent and actually that try to suppress freedom of speech, like tr trying to shut down uh, the men and women who went to Charlottesville to defend our American heritage, um, women are so uh, concerned about being approved are so concerned about fashion and fashion conscience and, and being accepted by their people that what happens is even though they're fundamentally uh, feeling like they're against violence, they end up going with the fashion. You know, it's if, if the group is out there and they're violent uh, and or they want to shut down these things, they're much more liable to go along with it. Uh, and that's and that's because of a fashionable acceptance, I believe. Uh, the, in other words, they fundamentally say in the polls that they only, in fact, 90 percent said it's not uh, justifiable to disrupt a controversial speaker. And yet when you look at the people out there fighting this and trying to stop free speech and to physically stop free speech, often more than half of the people participating are women. Why is that? And I think that's because when the women get into the events with the, with the relationships there, they're more concerned about being fashionable. What do you think of all these uh, these very shocking and uh, chilling uh, poll data and how we really are moving toward exactly what Big Brother, uh, Orwell's Big Brother, would want, right? That if you define speech as against the state, against Big Brother, against the principles that Big Brother says are true, like uh, you know, bombing for peace or, or whatever, uh, then, you know, those, they should be shut down. There should be no freedom of speech. We should definitely go out there and and do the hate hour that Big Brother talked about against those who would dare to oppose uh, the, the Big Brother establishment. Yeah, bombing for peace or screwing for chastity or whatever. It shows a variety of things. I mean, one is that these young people who are responding to the polls, there's unquestionably a a, a great deal of penetration of the indoctrination into their into their minds, uh, and there's a lot of brainwashing going on. I also think that you know polls can easily be manipulated. I don't think it's the whole story, but I, I do think it's part of the story. You can ask questions one way or another way. Um, I, I think of the polls regarding DACA, for instance, where. We're, we're told that polls show it's a very popular program. And if you couch the question, should children brought here through no fault of their own be penalized and forced to leave the country, people are more likely to answer no. If you couch the question, should foreign parents bring their children, be able to bring their children illegally and ultimately gain citizenship for the whole family, you're going to get a different response. So part of it's the way things are um, asked. But, you know, also this violence, the idea that speech can be violence. I mean, violence has been defined as, this is Merriam-Webster, the use of physical force so as to injure, abuse, damage, or destroy. 
How can speech? Speech is not physical force. So there's, you know, there's a lot of indoctrination, a lot of uh, re redefinition of words. And, you know, it's, it's trouble. I, I do think there's part of the um, results are due to the way questions are asked. It's push-pulling, push but there is a lot of indoctrination going on, and that's sad to see. But I think we're overcoming a lot of it. Yeah, well, I, I think so, and I think that they're, what they're really afraid about, the shutdown of freedom of speech, is all about one thing, in my opinion, and that's the fact that we are winning. And it's very, very important to make people understand this, that don't get black-pilled about all this, like, well, you know, we're losing our free speech and, you know, they're, gonna, they're trying to shut us all down. But to realize this is happening because we are winning the debate, because when people actually today, because of the Internet, people can actually go here, listen to my program and listen to what I'm actually saying, rather than what the media says I'm saying. And that's that's important. You know, that that's you know, the fact is that Big Brother the Zionist big brother that's ruling over us all is very, very afraid because people are beginning to agree with us, not them. Mm -hmm. Well, and you also pointed out that what is offensive or hurtful, is sub that's subjective. It's a subjective call. It's a relative call. And I think maybe white students on campus, you should get some white students to complain about the, the racial bias in basketball scholarships because the, the basketball teams, the recipients of basketball scholarships on, on campus aren't reflective of the diversity on either the campus or in the community. Now, if somebody were to counter that blacks, for whatever reason, are more likely to be top basketball players, well, then the white students should insist that this is hate speech because it's offensive and hurtful to them. And, you know, something like this, on the one hand, it's ridiculous, but on the other hand, it is it is such a parallel to what goes on if you're, you know, to simply point out, well, the majority of uh, top scorers on tests are white or, you know, top students. It's it's a, it's a good parallel. So maybe somebody out there will want to try that at their school. Well, I think it, that makes it good sense. But, you know, it, it's also... <laughs> What, what this also shows, or I think is a vital point here, is that when you have this Zionist powerful control, I mean, total domination of our media, and it starts with Hollywood, because because the truth is that fictional uh, movies, television programming, uh, popular comedy programs, when when they can simply make things up in a fictional way and put them in a clever way, uh, they can affect the mores and the attitudes and the the values that people have, you know, very very much so. And and that that's something that could be considered for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and this this is why, in fact, again, this whole thing we've talked about this a lot. The lexicon of the times, you know, if if you don't, you know, if you believe that white people shouldn't be dumped upon with massive hatred that portrays our ancestors as a bunch of evil people, whereas portrays the, the, all the non-white countries of the world and all the non-white tribes that exist as people of just love and peace and brotherhood. This is a lie, and it's hateful, uh, and it's also just an absolute uh, uh, untruth. I mean, it's just not real. But this is what's done to our people every day 
uh, by and it's often done by this Jewish elite that has the, the longest record of murdering and genociding people of any people on the planet. I mean, it, it, just read the Old Testament. It's, it's basically a celebration in the Talmud, a celebration of the mass murder of non-Jews, of, the, of their enemies, even even to the point of, uh, of infanticide, uh, such as what they celebrate in the Passover issue. You know, oh, my God, you know, these evil spirits or these evil diseases, they passed over our Jewish homes, and we, well, we struck down the first of those goy, you know. Uh, we can go further. I mean, than that. But this, this is this is really ironic. It's not only ironic, but it's tragic because this is how people are manipulated into losing their rights and to, and to basically accepting tyranny because of how people are defined. We're defined as haters. I know that your motivation in life. I know you well enough, Doctor Slattery, to know that you are not motivated. By hatred, that's not the motivating force of your life. You're motivated by really love of our heritage, our traditions, our values, our freedoms, right? And and the principles upon which the country was founded upon, and the the principles, the principles upon which our civilization is based upon, and to be to be happy and harmonious and valuable. You know, I believe, for instance, a perfect example of this is I believe that history proves again and again and again as well as human nature proves that the most peaceful and, quote, loving societies tend to be societies of one particular ethnic derivation, one particular homogeneous, basically, people that are related traditionally with heritage, people that share the same ideologies, the same religious faiths, the same, you know, fundamental cultural values, uh, have the same ancestry. Those countries, by and large, tend to be far more peaceful and loving and have this tends to be far more principles of brotherhood and human understanding and human rights and human freedom than countries that have a multicultural, multiracial dynamic. The United Nations once did a study, a survey of uh, this, the civil wars and conflicts, which often included much genocides against other peoples. Uh, around the world, and it found that that ethnic ethnic struggles, ethnic fighting, ethnic uh, divisions were the major source of wars, uh, human suppressions, the violation of human rights, even genocides of whole peoples. Now, either we can understand this is is because of the part of nature and understand this. And, and what what the left what the left says and and what conservatives say that well we're going to overcome this factor by promoting uh, love and brotherhood and diversity. The truth is that diversity on its own, whatever the reasons for it, produces a lot more hatred, violence, suppression, even destruction. And what we've got going on right now to say the destruction of the unique genes that make up the European people. All right, this whole process, this whole process is basically a, an ethnic or a racial genocide, which is supposed to be the greatest crime of humanity, right? This is, and I think it is a great crime of humanity to just wipe some, some people off the, off, the, off the planet, right? Because you can. And yet, for some strange reason, it's okay if you wipe white people off the planet, and regardless of the fact that white, white people should have the rights to preserve their heritage and their 
values like any other people on the planet. So does does you know even though they call us the haters, look at this country right now. We before we had this massive immigration into America and we had to take over our media by these radical Jewish supremacists and racists and and who tried to gain control of our media. They have stoked the fires of racial hatred against European Americans. They certainly haven't stoked the fires of of white hatred against uh, minorities, except as a response to the people seeing the fact that whites are losing a lot of their rights in this country. It's a response to that. But they don't promote white consciousness, but they promoted uh, you know, black identity politics and Jewish identity politics and Mexican identity politics uh, across the board, even gender politics as a means of overthrowing and a means of of dispossessing and destroying a particular heritage of this country. The heritage, in fact, the overwhelming heritage that created the very values of the United States to begin with. So they are the real genociders. They are the real haters. And and again, being able to define speech by these epithets like hate or racist or supremacist, this is a perfect example of what George Orwell exposed in his fantastic novel, 1984, which I think every person in this movement should read and study. And every individual, whether you're left wing or right wing or conservative or liberal you know, are white or black or yellow. Every person should read this book, read this and understand how tyrannies operate. And once you read this book, you'll see all the parallels that exist in our modern society. Again, the people under Big Brother in 1984, most of the people didn't realize that they were being programmed. They didn't realize it because they were being programmed by the people who wanted this tyranny to exist and to flourish. So we live in the same society. Big Brother made the people hate. They had the hour of hate against anybody who opposed Big Brother, even though we know from the novel in its creation of Big Brother uh, and Oceania, they, they created a society. They were supporting a society that was the biggest violator of human rights and human freedom and human life, promoting torture and oppression and murder and war on a constant level. Yet the people thought, oh, my God, the evil people out there are the ones that are opposing Big Brother. And then in Big Brother as well in 1984, it talks about a controlled opposition, which is exactly what the Republican conservative establishment is about. It's about making sure that those who want to defend the European American people and the true principles of America, that they're led to defeat. It's what 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 the very Jewish uh, Vladimir Lenin said, that we will lead the opposition to defeat. And that's exactly what they're doing with Fox News. That's exactly what they're doing with the Jeffrey Cucklords of the United States of America that were that were equating me with uh, Hillary Clinton or Hillary Clinton with me saying that Hillary Clinton's a new David Duke. Yeah, right. <laughs> and George Washington was the new, you know, King George, right? Sure. Well, Jeffrey Lord is the new Al Sharpton then. Um, yeah, sure. And, and the truth is, fundamentally, he is the new Al Sharpton. Because by not defending the rights and heritage of the vast majority of the American people, the European Americans, he is basically creating an America that the Al Sharpton types and the Al Sharpton values will be in the majority of this country. So he is the new Al Sharpton. And, and, these, and these conservative 
the conservatives, so-called conservatives, Republicans who voted to condemn the alt-right and defend, you know, or condemn white, quote, white nationalists, whatever that means. Even Breitbart did an article I was surprised about that by one writer who said, which is so true, he said, he said, well, the truth is, if if the enemy, if we're going to condemn white nationalists, then we've got to understand that our founding fathers were white and they were nationalists. So aren't they really condemning the very uh, the very foundations of the United States of America? And as we talked about yesterday, which is, is worthy of and, and that's intentional. Yeah, it's intentional. You know, we talked about it yesterday so uh, eloquently how that, you know, we've really lost control over our country. I mean, in 1789, uh, the Constitution of the United States was adopted. And for 200 years, from 1789 to 1989, for 200 solid years, nobody in our government, no member of our Congress, I mean, no, no, that the people that control Congress, no people in our media believed that it was somehow illegal or improper for a Christian nativity scene to be put up on a public place. You know, I celebrate Christmas as a Christian holiday as part of the makeup of the majority of the American people, which is still is overwhelmingly Christian. Then in 1789, uh, you know, this was all established, this freedom of religion, but also the idea that a people, you know, have a right to have their, their cultural values of the majority of the American people. In 1989, there was a new Supreme Court decision under the leadership of people like Abe Fortas and, and the Jewish media that promoted this, which ruled that it was illegal to put any sort of Christian motif, even at Christmas, up in a public square, a public park, uh, on the lawn of the White House, for that matter, because that was a violation of church and state, which is actually not even a part of the Constitution. But I, I believe as well the Constitution does say that we don't – it does not establish a religion, meaning a particular denomination, I think, uh, in, in the country. So they, they ruled on that. And the same decision, the same decision, folks, ruled that you could put the oldest and most enduring symbol of Judaism, which is even older than the Star David and more common definer of Judaism, a religion, the Star, not the Star David, but the menorah, that it was perfectly legal and proper to put menorahs and celebrate a Jewish religious holiday called Hanukkah, which was a celebration of Jewish racism and Jewish efforts not to assimilate Jewish people with those hated goy. In fact, Hanukkah is a celebration of the massacre by these radical Maccabees who were like ISIS of their day, of the Greek people who were in Jerusalem, and the Jews who dressed like Greeks and married Greeks and associated with Greeks. This is the celebration of Hanukkah. It's a Jewish supremacist, racist, radical, terrorist operation that existed <laughs> in, in Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago, right? And you can put up Jewish symbols on, on public property. And there are thousands erected across America. And I think that shows exactly who runs America. I can't believe we're at the end of the show already, Doctor. You know, any, any final comment? Yeah, we don't live under white supremacism. We live under Jewish supremacism. And the fact that you're not allowed to advocate on behalf of white interests or point out uh, infringements on white freedoms or, or economic status or anything is an example of the Jewish privilege, the right. Jewish supremacy. Well, thanks so much for being with me. And folks, that's about it, right? I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. 
Uh, hate speech is defined, racist speech is defined, anti-Semitic speech is defined today as any white person who exposes the real supremacism that exists in our country, which is Jewish supremacism, which is not only hurting European Americans, but every people. In fact, the whole world right now is getting under its thumb and having the wars and the destructive uh, happenings that's happening across the world. And that's why they want to shut me down, shut off my videos, is because I'm telling this truth. And that's why they don't want free speech, because free speech will reveal who the real haters and oppressors are. I love you all. Be back again tomorrow. Please go to DavidDuke.com. If you like this show, if you're moved by it, please go to my website and give us a gift to support and expand my work. I appreciate you. I love you. Back again tomorrow. Take the banner at the top of Rents.com and prepare to learn how to save your life. I'd like to invite you to take a look at some of the most important products in the realm of health and hygiene I've ever seen, all from Trioxy. As many of you know, ozone oxygen is highly effective for many different uses in the home or office place, from purifying the air you breathe to the water you drink. In fact, the city of Los Angeles, among others, uses ozone to purify the drinking water for millions. Uses of ozonated water produced by the Trioxy Pure include washing your hands, disinfecting cuts and infections, brushing your teeth, and even washing and sanitizing fruits and vegetables in the kitchen. Meanwhile, the Trioxy Re-Ion ozone negative ion generator will clean your indoor air of pollen, smoke, odors, mold, bacteria, and viruses, and more, and will put extra oxygen into your bloodstream and clean your body just by you being there. I hope you'll drop by and visit GoHealthyNext.com and take a look. The prices are more than affordable, and the results are priceless. That's GoHealthyNext.com. You're listening to the Rents Radio Network, nationwide and worldwide on the net and at Rents.com. It's nature's oldest therapy and plays an essential role in destroying viruses, bacteria, mold, yeast, and fungus, and keeping the human body healthy and strong. Now, you can give your body and your immune system a mega boost of disease-fighting oxygen with all-natural OxyC. With so many people now leading a sedentary indoor lifestyle, most are in a chronic state of oxygen deprivation, which sets up a perfect environment for disease, general fatigue. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.